welcome everybody to the next in our AP CCC or AP Triple C podcast series. <laughs> um, we're we're joined today, uh, as always, by Silky, and Silky's going to introduce Thomas Zilli in a second. We're going to talk about all of the radiotherapy related questions, or some of the radiotherapy related questions. And we're going to try and focus on some of those areas of controversy. Uh, I think this is the last in our series, unless someone wants to write into the show. Very few people write into the show, Silky, actually. Oh, I didn't well, know. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, very few, very few, very few, not very many. Oh, we, few. Oh, maybe yeah. this time, maybe so, we the, get some more. Maybe yeah, some I'm, radiotherapists are interested. I think Brian writes in sometimes <laughs> to, to bump up our numbers and he sort of shows me the letters and I get really excited. <laughs> but I think he's just humouring me. He's, he's very kind to me in that respect. Um, so, so um, Silky, far away. So, yeah, I, I've been my pleasure to introduce Thomas Tilly, who is a radio-oncologist, obviously, because we're speaking about uh, the more radiotherapy-focused questions at APCCC. And he worked for a long time in Geneva and is now working with us in uh, Ticino. And so we can really also dis- say what we are having as kind of daily problems in our daily clinic pra- clinical practice because we have the MDMs together, Thomas and me. So welcome, Thomas, and thank you for joining us. Yeah, good afternoon. Thank you so much for this kind of invitation, uh, Silk and Tom. Very pleasure to be here today. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one of our, you know, questions that we have also a lot in the MDMs is, you know, are there still some patients who would profit from adjuvant um, radiotherapy plus minus systemic therapy? And maybe you could tell us a bit, um, Tom, Thomas, what you think about that? Yeah, that's an important question. So because uh, uh, at the beginning, 20 years ago, we had just the four trials uh, suggesting that the adjuvant uh, radiotherapy was uh, useful to treat patients with high-risk factors. So it means uh, PT3, PT3A and B, R1. And this was based mainly on old studies, randomized clinical trials comparing adjuvant versus observation. Then we had the three major trials, uh, the radicals RT, JET2GAF17, and the RAVES, uh, comparing early salvage versus adjuvant radiotherapy. In this case, we know, also confirmed by the artistic meta-analysis, that uh, early salvage is the good option for these patients uh, um, with high-risk factors. Nevertheless, uh, we had a very few patients in these trials having really high-risk features. So it means uh, ISOP grade 4 and 5, PT3B, or, and of course, a PN1 patient were excluded. So uh, it means that now, probably uh, today, we have uh, some window to uh, recommend adjuvant radiotherapy. And the question is if we needed to combine or not with ADT for patients having some specific high-risk features like uh, Gleason score 8 or more, uh, PT3 uh, and PT4 uh, prostate cancer, and of course, patients with PN1. In the next uh, APCC meeting, we will have uh, many uh, open questions uh, on this issue, uh, including uh, uh, if we need to recommend uh, for patients having PT3B, Isoprate 4 and 5 adjuvant radiotherapy. We have a question for PN1 disease, uh, stratifying patient between one and two nodes or even more. 
And of course, the question that remains open is if you need to combine with the ADT and for how long we need to, to use uh, androgen deprivation. And then uh, we, we will have very exciting questions, even on the role of molecular classifiers. Before we get, before we get there, should we yeah. just go through where we are at the moment? Because you've, you've got three really, you come up with three or four really important areas. Could you just define for us the data that we currently have to support that? Uh, yeah, uh, so uh, we, for the use of early salvage, uh, for the majority of the patient, we have three randomized clinical trials. So the radical CRT, JET2GFU17, and the RAVES. Uh, all these trials suggest that early salvage is the preferred option for patients having undetectable PSA, PN0 disease, and uh, uh, early, so uh, this in the post-op, so we prefer just to wait for the biochemical relapse and to avoid overtreating. Nevertheless, when we have um, patients having a male, most uh, PM1 disease or uh, accumulation of different uh, risk factors, uh, it means uh, Gleason score uh, eight or more and the PT3 and four uh, prostate cancer. So in this case, uh, we can discuss and select the situation, especially when we have a recovery of the urinary functions, we can discuss uh, adjuvant radiotherapy. We had data, mostly retrospective, of course, but that suggested that in these cases, probably the use of adjuvant radiotherapy can reduce the risk of mortality related to the prostate cancer. These are just the retrospective data based on the series, but we have probably this window for which we can recommend adjuvant radiotherapy. And what's the benefit of of What's the benefit? What is the degree of overall survival or or elapsed free survival benefit for these for these salvage treatments? So it depends on the features that we have uh, because uh, as so when you are accumulating different uh, risk factors, of course, uh, uh, you increase the risk of uh, uh, metastatic spreading of the disease. But normally, I think that for a PIN one disease, it probably you can achieve it. 10-15% uh, benefit uh, on terms of uh, all cause of mortality over time. But this uh, best mostly based on the retrospective data. We don't have any uh, prospective randomized clinical trials looking at this specific patient, especially with PN1 disease. And then, sorry, Tom, uh, Thomas. So, so I think, you know, another important question, and we, we, we touched a bit upon it with uh, Bertrand, right, is that now when we go to the high-risk localized advanced prostate cancer, and we decided not to go for operation, but we, try, you know, we go for, um, for radiation therapy. Here we have now the question, you know, should we irradiate only the prostate or also the pelvic lymph nodes? And now specifically, and that will be some questions, since we're doing in these patients more and more the PSMA PET as, as a kind of staging tool, if they, don't, they are N0, even in the PSMA PET, should we then still do the pelvic irradiation? And I think this, Thomas, maybe you can uh, comment a bit what, what you're thinking. But of, of course, these are all the questions because there is no clear evidence for it. 
Yeah. So when we have patients having PN0 disease, uh, um, we have data coming from the SPORT RTOG uh, 05-34 trial suggesting that uh, uh, in some selected cases we can add uh, whole pelvic radiotherapy combined with uh, short-term ADT to improve the outcomes of these patients. And this could be especially true when we have uh, a PSA of more than 0.35. In this case, we can recommend that uh, there is uh, quite a large uh, uh, differences between the centers. There are just uh, centers recommending just the prostate bed radiotherapy, other including also the whole pelvic re regions. So I think there is uh, one of the questions that we will have uh, during uh, the next uh, APCC meeting. And uh, this, of course, uh, uh, very interesting for our community, for radiation oncology community, because there is no standard at the moment. But personally, I'm mostly recommending uh, inclusion of the pelvic nodes uh, when we are accumulating some risk factors and, uh, never, and of course, uh, for all PN1 patients that uh, were treated with radical prostatectomy. And as always, right, we have the data based on conventional imaging only. Mm -hmm. And now we have that more accurate imaging and, and that gives us a lot of new questions to ask. So, so if that's in zero, do you still need it or not? And I guess this is what, what we want yeah. to ask. But Tom, I, I, the other Tom, <laughs> I, I did interrupt you. I'm sorry. I was going to ask a question about, uh, about, N0 and how you, def is, is a patient, is it still radiological N0 or is that on CT or is it on MRI or is it on PMSA PET? And if there has been this creep with more modern, more sophisticated imaging, are we not now treating a lot more patients than we were before, which weakens our evidence further? So, um... It depends mostly on the center and the country. Now, for example, here in Switzerland, we are recommending the use of PSMA PET CT for all high-risk patients. And uh, it means that uh, we had a quite uh, important rate of patients that are considering as having CN0 disease on conventional imaging that using PSMA PET CT or stage has having a CN1 disease. Uh, this can, of course, uh, change uh, the management of these patients because, uh, um, of course, when we have the CN1 patient PSMA, we're mostly recommending radiotherapy uh, uh, combined with uh, ADT and RP more and more. But, of course, the use of PSMA PET-CT can be even useful uh, for the biochemical relapse because uh, uh, when we have a PSA of more than 0.2, even the EOUK lines are recommending the use of restaging with the PSMA PET CT. And this is actually our policy. And uh, of course, if you detect some disease outside the prostate bed, in this case, you, are, uh, you have a more important argument to include uh, these regions in your field and try to boost uh, to combine with uh, ADT or, uh, yeah, this can probably have an implication for treatment intensification in these patients. So, so your PMSA PET scan is resulting in a lot more treatment than you were giving before because you're broadening the net of patients, but you don't have that much data to support that approach. You're just saying because this is relevant in this group yeah. that's abnormal this... on CT, we're going to translate that across. Is that right? 
Yeah, that's right. So because we know that we can change the management of the patients, we can adapt, but we don't have any clear data on our outcome benefit to do that. That's for sure. But now it's almost standard. Many, many centers are, are including. Uh, but I think if we have some questions, uh, mostly in the de novo setting uh, before definitive treatments, I think it's more validated in the post-op setting uh, at the biochemical relapse. And yeah, I, I, I think if I understood correctly, you know, the, the TNMA system, TNM system, is, is still based on conventional imaging. So, so maybe, you know, with the new imaging we're using, we should also have kind of a, a new nomenclature also in the TNM telling us that someone in conventional imaging was negative but now has a PSMA po positive lymph nodes. So how, and then we could learn how to treat these patients specifically. Um, but for the moment, uh, I guess that's not that was not planned. Let's put it that way. Silky, the new imaging is certainly resulting in more treatment for patients. But early treatment in prostate cancer is quite controversial. Um, if we're treating a lot more patients, there's going to be more toxicity. What evidence do we have that this shift is actually helping patients in terms of their cancer related symptoms and their survival? You know, actually, I'm more worried about the other thing, right? I think the other way around, you see now maybe in a patient that you would have treated curatively some little spots on a fluoride PSMA pet that you interpret as metastasis, and then you go and give the patient um, continuous ADT because you think he's metastatic, um, and you wouldn't ever have thought that with conventional imaging only. So, so I'm more worried about that we now find maybe also real metastasis that we would have treated differently in, you know, and in, in the past, and now we're taking away a curative option to our patients. So, so I'm, I'm more sometimes also worried because I'm, I'm seeing it in second opinions, also in lesions that are not so clearly really metastasis in the end. So, so I'm more worried on the other side, to be honest. Yeah, um, I fully agree um, with Silke. Thomas, two questions for you. Any controversies around the dosing of salvage radiation therapy? And then, of course, where is the, what is the role of ADT? Uh, yeah. And is there any role for salvage prostatectomy? Yeah, uh, so this is uh, a very good question. So because uh, uh, concerning the radiotherapy dose, uh, we had a very nice uh, study here in Switzerland, the SAKK0910, exploring the role of uh, dose escalation to the prostate bed. This was a trial comparing 64 gray and 32 fractions versus 70. And finally, 64 perform uh, exactly the same as 70 gray, but will lack toxicity. So I think that this clearly an improvement because we know that uh, 64 gray can be sufficient for these patients. Um, we have some open questions uh, when we need, we have uh, some macroscopic relapse uh, in the prostate bed because now using PSMA by CT or MRI, we're identifying some patient with a local relapse, especially in the early salvage setting. In this case, probably we need to intensify and try to boost the, the macroscopic relapse. 
Concerning ADT, um, uh, we have some evidence to add uh, uh, ADT. We have some trials comparing six months versus uh, uh, no ADT. In which we patients exactly? Yeah, so personally, I'm mostly recommending uh, in patients having uh, a PSA of for more than 0.5 and uh, some uh, risk with the rapid PSA doubling time or uh, ISOP grade uh, uh, 4 and 5. Uh, these are clearly the patients that can benefit uh, from uh, uh, ADT. Uh, the question... And when you say clearly benefit, is that a survival oh, benefit. benefit? Is that yeah. a lapse-free survival benefit? Is it just the PSA going down? Or what, what, is, what, do we, what do you mean yeah. by benefit? Yeah, that's so we had a clear benefit in biochemical lapse-free survival. In terms of the testers, this metastasis-free survival, the benefit uh, is present, but it's not so huge. At 10 years, we had just a 6% of benefit, so this is small, especially considering that this is a long-term uh, outcome. So I think that uh, for every patient, we need just to balance uh, the benefit that we can achieve in this metastasis for survival uh, versus the side effects that we can uh, provoke by using uh, ADT. And I think that uh, we can consider ADT, especially in patients having a, a longer survival uh, expectancy, life survival expectancy. Uh, for the other patients, probably the benefit is not so huge, and we need to just and do which drug. Oh, sorry, sorry and Tom, and you asking exactly the same, the, the right questions, because that will be the questions that we try, I mean, that we have for the consensus meeting. So we will find out, um, you know, what the experts think exactly about the questions you ask, who we should add the ADT to for how many months yeah. uh, and so on. What's the, what's the evidence for which drugs? Is it just MAB? And which drugs and for how long? And what's, what the, what's the role of RP? Yeah, so we had mostly evidence using LHRH agonist. Uh, we had one trial uh, using a bicalutamide 150, but it was uh, an RTOG trial, and that I think that nobody is using a bicalutamide for two years. Uh, now we are starting to have uh, some first data combining uh, ADT with RP for six months. But again, I think that it will be really important to identify the right patients. Uh, I'm quite a believer that molecular classifiers will help us to uh, better stratify in the future the patient that have uh, ADT. At the and moment, that, and that ADT, and the ADT RP study is that a positive study with a DFS and an OS advantage, or is it just DFS? So uh, we had a PFS, but uh, in the dead sport meta analysis uh, that were presented, uh, not published yet, uh, but we had also distant metastasis free survival. Um, but again, I think that this benefit can increase uh, uh, for patients treated in the later salvage setting uh, with the uh, adverse features and the high PSA. For example, in the R2G trials, uh, this trial exploring two years of bicalutamide, there was also an overall survival benefit for patients having a PSA of more than 0.6. So it means that our patients that normally we don't need to have in our clinics because we are mostly recommending early salvage rather therapy now. And Silky, which patients are you recommending in this setting um, um, RP? 
So I'm I'm working very closely together with with Thomas, obviously. So um, so the RPA, I guess, is is really only shown well in the moment um, by a very small proportion that was in the Stampede trial with adding Abiratron um, in a in a setting of a very high risk um, relapse. So and and obviously the the high like the high risk um, from the beginning, locally advanced, but we are speaking now about the, the biochemical relapse, ADT, so early salvage. And and there, I guess we really, for the moment, don't have that much data for the combinations, except as we discussed already, the Inbox study now, where we have um, new new evidence but that's without the radiotherapy so so now everything gets more complicated and i think one one important point that i think thomas has has made very clear if you decide for salvage radiotherapy you should go for early salvage Mm -hmm. and then you don't maybe need all that adt together with the early salvage but but these are all questions that we're going to ask and that are not we don't have a lot of evidence and since you were talking tom about salvage prostatectomy i think it has to be very clear that that's really something that gives you or your patient a lot of morbidity and that now and and thomas can comment more on that we have other options there right like we can have sbrt weird irradiation maybe brachytherapy um, or local therapies like haifu so if you have um, really want to do local salvage after radical um, radiotherapy for high-risk localized disease you have now different options so you don't have only the salvage prostatectomy that you know, you have to have a really good urologist and it still gives you a lot of morbidity in general. Is it a good idea in anyone? Salvage, protect me. Thomas, I give that to you. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> the, the salvage um, of uh, radiorecurrent prostate cancer is really complicated. I think that we it requires always a very good multidisciplinary discussion. It requires a re-biopsy. It requires a PSMA PET CT, and of course, uh, based on the life expectancy, um, the aggressiveness of the disease, uh, sometimes uh, we don't need to uh, look at the salvage local treatment, but more uh, these patients are uh, fit for a, a salvage uh, treatment has been embarked. So it means that uh, probably we need to combine EDT plus uh, RP. You both you both mentioned embark. Could you just yeah. describe to me exactly what Embark was and how you think it's going to change the thinking in this space? Thomas, I leave that to you because yeah. I tried to explain it to Tom already. Like yeah. five times, I think. <laughs> I was not very successful, okay. so maybe you are better. Okay, so Embark trial is a randomized uh, phase three clinical trial, um, including patients with high-risk uh, biochemical failure. So it means patient having a PSA doubling time less than nine months and relapsing after primary radiotherapy or uh, radical prostatectomy with or without post-op uh, radiotherapy. Uh, in the post-op setting, PSA more than zero, more than one. Uh, after radiotherapy, more than two, uh, like per Phoenix criteria. 
These patients were randomized between uh, an intermittent uh, ADT using uh, LHRH agonist versus the two experimental arms, one using enzalutamide for nine months combined with uh, uh, LHRH agonist and the other one just with enzalutamide monotherapy. Um, the treatment was uh, delivered in an intermittent uh, uh, way, so because uh, uh, at nine months, if the PSA was less than 0.2, uh, the treatment was stopped and then uh, restarted uh, at the PSA increase. Uh, the trial had a very strong uh, uh, and impressive uh, metastasis-free survival benefit for patients treated with uh, RP, with addition of RP, even in monotherapy. And uh, this, uh, the data on overall survival not uh, mature yet, but the MFS was clearly improved by using uh, uh, RP. And uh, this uh, uh, the embark trial. So, uh, and tell us how's that? How's that going to change? Does it mean? Does this diminish the role of radiation therapy in these patients? Do we need to give salvia, salvage radiation therapy to any of these patients, or should we just be treating these patients with systemic therapy? So, I don't think so because uh, uh, we need to just consider that in this trial only conventional imaging was used. So, it means that if uh, there was a very nice study from UC UCSF um, looking at UCLA, sorry, uh, looking at the same populations uh, restage uh, using PSMA PET CT. And when we look into the results of PSMA PET CT, we see that uh, quite a huge number of these patients. Uh, have an oligometastatic disease. So it means that probably uh, the future will be uh, to combine radiotherapy with this uh, uh, intensified systemic treatments, probably in an intermittent fashion, just to look at which is the response, and then uh, try to consolidate with radiotherapy with the SBRT to the different lesions. So I think that the future probably is a combination of both. How do you, how and also, do you... Tom, Tom, just, just to, to make that clear, in the Embark trial, 75% of the patients had had already radiotherapy. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's not that you're going to take 25... out the radiotherapy at all. So it was only 25% or 20 to 25% of the patients in reality that had uh, that had only a radical prostatectomy before yeah. entering the trial. So how confident are you that the radiotherapy with this new generation of drugs in this earlier space generating good outcomes, how do you know that the radiotherapy is still contributing? So... Um... It depends from the setting, but personally, I'm quite convinced that we can achieve a, a more durable disease control by adding a, a radiotherapy as well. Because we, this year on GEM Oncology, uh, we had the extended trial. So this is uh, a trial for oligorecurrent uh, uh, prostate cancer, and the patients were randomized to receive uh, hormone therapy only or the same treatment, but combined with SBRT. And when we see um, the results in terms of PFS, but also eugonadal uh, progression for survival, we had a clear bend by adding uh, radiotherapy. I think that for this patient that receive already radiotherapy, uh, if we can detect that this patient are in an oligometastatic setting, we can probably discuss uh, 
the addition of the radical therapy. For patients just treated with prostatectomy, with only radical prostatectomy, I think that the Embark has a limited role uh, only for patients that have uh, some metastatic disease. Because in this trial, uh, they include an only patient with an early salvage setting, so having a PSA more than one, and uh, patient having a contraindication to uh, post-op radiotherapy. So I think uh, we cannot extrapolate uh, these patients and uh, this data to the standard for uh, patient relapsing after radical prostatectomy. And also, Thomas, I think you, you can maybe comment on that, but um, at least in in the experience of our patients that we see, the the salvage radiotherapy generally is is quite well tolerated. And maybe you can you can also comment on that. It seems to me, at least. Yeah. So I agree. Now we can clearly define better our volumes. We have different guidelines, uh, even integrating uh, more than imaging, uh, like PSMA. We have uh, image guidance uh, techniques. Uh, so uh, I think that uh, we are the clearly technological, very nice technological improvements that uh, can allow us to deliver very safely uh, post-op radiotherapy. And the good uh, news is we can reduce. We don't need to escalate the dose uh, because 64 gray is quite well tolerated. Over. Great. Tom. Great. Any more questions from you, Silky? Uh, I had tons of questions, but I don't think we have time. <laughs> we didn't. We, we didn't speak about oli oligometastatic disease. Can we but do we're gonna, Can we do we're gonna, two? We're gonna can discuss do... that uh, at the the conference. So, and since you will be there, you can ask all your questions there as well. Can we do one question? What's your key question on oligometastatic disease? Let's do one question on that. If we can. <laughs> you know, <laughs> our friend uh, Noel Clark, as you remember. Uh, he said once, and I, I like that a lot, um, there is much more enthusiasm for, for metastasis-directed therapy in oligometastatic disease than there is evidence. So, <laughs> and, and that's, that's still true. Uh, but, but maybe, Thomas, um, you, you could at least tell us what are the news since 2022 that may be going to change a bit uh, the discussion. And, and I guess, Tom, the, the big question is really, should you in oligometastatic metastatic hormone sensitive disease so now it's low burden metachronous disease should you also irradiate this uh, this metastasis plus some systemic therapy can you then um, stop maybe the systemic therapy at some time point as we discussed with Bertrand so I guess that's the the big question because we don't have a lot of evidence but I, I let uh, Thomas comment yeah, on that I fully agree so we have many discordance in the treatment that we can propose for the metachronous setting because uh, the first trials, uh, for example, STOMP, uh, were just the SBRT versus observation. So many uh, of the radiation oncologist colleagues have just uh, are using MDT just to postpone uh, systemic therapies. Now we are starting to have evidence that probably in this setting we needed to combine uh, systemic therapy with SBRT to consolidate the, the long-term outcome. But of course we have several open questions. So in terms of, of the duration of ADT, if we need to intensify, if we need to just look at uh, uh, the response and to interrupt uh, the treatment uh, in good responders, 
You have many open questions uh, concerning, for example, nodal oligorecurrent disease in terms of uh, volumes of irradiation. So uh, we will present the data from the Storm Peace 5 trials uh, the next year during the ASTRO, looking at the role of lactin nodal irradiation versus MDT. So I think it's uh, rapidly moving a, a field with many open questions, nevertheless. Do you know with this modern imaging how to define oligometastatic disease? So to propose an MDT, I think we need to implement a, a PSMA PET-CT. Uh, we have some evidence, for example, from the OREO trials that uh, a comprehensive irradiation of all uh, PSMA-positive spots uh, can improve the outcome of these patients compared just uh, using conventional imaging. So I think that uh, MDT should be based uh, on next-generation imaging, but of course, uh, what proportion of patients are you recommending for radiotherapy for metastatic sites in this setting? Do you recommend radiotherapy to any patients with metastatic no, sites? No, 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 no. <laughs> I think we, it depends on the burden of the disease. So normally we're recommending in the metacron settings MDT for patients having up to three or maximum five. So we don't have a magic number. Uh, but of course, when you are when you are having a very rapid PSA doubling time, very high PSA levels, probably uh, the PSMA is just showing you the, the yeah the top of the iceberg. So I think uh, I think we need to just to be conscious that the MDT cannot probably cure these patients. And Tom, what is what is your take in venous cell carcinoma and in, in bladder cancer? Because there is a lot of discussion about oligometastatic disease as well. So how do you see that in, in, in these cancers? So I think in I think it, I think bladder cancer grows fast. And mm -hmm. I think if you start going after oligometastatic disease and bladder cancer, I think that's brave. Um, I, I, and so I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think renal cancer is probably somewhere between prostate and bladder, somewhere between the mm -hmm. two, where I think that we, you know, where we've suddenly got better outcomes because predominantly around immune therapy, but to some extent VEGF targeted therapy too, where we're generating these durable outcomes. And then we tend to be going after oligometastatic disease because the patients are doing much better. But whether or not that's a consequence of the treatment, the oligometastatic disease, or it's a consequence of the fact we've changed the biology of the disease with the immune therapy, and those patients are just going to end up doing better no matter what. We don't really know. So we have now doing a lot more intervention in these patients, mm -hmm. but it's not clear to me that we're making them live longer with these additional therapies. Now, there's some great data with Sabre and there's great data with, you know, at one point mm -hmm. we talked about things like abscopal effects, but I don't think that, my personal opinion is, I don't think that exists in kidney <laughs> cancer. Um, so I think there's huge enthusiasm, as Noel has said, mm -hmm. in kidney cancer, less so in bladder cancer, around this space. Um, but my fear is we're not being as robust as we should, potentially, mm -hmm. around generating the data to be confident that we're helping patients. Mm -hmm. Agree. Yeah. yeah. This has been fantastic. <laughs> so we ended up with some non-prestate. Very, <laughs> very multitasking. Yeah. I'm, yeah, back at a, at a home game for me. Look, uh, I'm looking forward to this session. I'm definitely coming. Me and Brian are definitely coming to this session. I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to be asking questions from the front. So I'm looking forward to seeing you both, Thomas. Thank you very much for your time. Thank today. you again. I wish I was. 
if I'm lucky enough, I'll be invited to your MDT one day uh, in in uh, in your beautiful uh, in your beautiful city. More than well, I would, and, I, and I would and I would take part. <laughs> I'd be, I can I can be very disagreeable in MDTs. Apparently, I'll do my best to be non-concordant. Um, <laughs> yeah, but because you don't speak Italian, it will be difficult for you for this that, one. For yeah, this will, one. I think it will be challenging, but I'll do my best under difficult circumstances. <laughs> I'll ask for a coffee and where the nearest D lift is. Perfect. 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 I'll see you soon. Bye, bye guys. Bye bye. Bye bye. Ciao.